Yes, you have, you have one of these flashlights. So you know how obnoxiously bright this little thing is. So, I bought this flashlight for work because sometimes working in a car, it's very hard to see what you're looking at because it's dark. And there's a lot of shaded areas, especially when you're underneath of a dashboard. It's extremely hard to see. So I brought this flashlight because it's small and it's easy to stick somewhere. However, when I bought this flashlight, I did not realize how obnoxious this thing was and how bright this thing was. So this little thing is very bright. It's got a brighter setting, too. It's kind of hard to see because it's bright in this room, but you can still see the light. Um, so... When I use that flashlight at work and I'm underneath of a dash, it literally lights up the entire underneath of the dash. It's cool, but sometimes it's a little too much. Um, so the reason I wanted you guys to see this is because when you're in a dark spot, you have to have light to see. Right? We can't see in the dark. We don't have night vision. We're not like cats. We don't have good sight at dark. Um, you could also use this as an example. If you're driving down a country road with no street lights, trees on both sides, and you have no headlights, would you be able to see where you're driving? No, probably not. Um, a couple years ago, probably, well, more than a couple years ago, quite a few years a trip to Mohican, which is, for those of you who don't know, is in southern Ohio. And once you get down into southern Ohio, it gets very tree-covered. You get a lot of winding roads. And we were in my little Jeep, which didn't have very good headlights, but it ended up getting very dark and extremely foggy to where we could barely see the road we were driving down. And if I would have, if for some reason my lights would have went out for like five seconds, I probably would have crashed. It was that dark. You could not see anything. It was crazy. So it's amazing how much just even a little bit of light can help you see. And how it will fill an area. Um, like I said, the example I had when I'm underneath of the dash of a car and I need light to see, I use my flashlight. It lights up so I can see what I'm doing. So I'm making sure I'm doing the right thing. Um, but we also have to understand that not only does light spread, but darkness also spreads. So if you take the light out of something... The room will start filling with darkness. If we shut all the lights off, we put blackout curtains upon all these windows and all those windows, it'll get very dark in here. Um, so not only does light spread, but dark spreads as well. Um, and this will come into play a little bit later. So when I was reading through the text for today... I got convicted in myself because I realized that there's things that I'm not doing right, which happens every time I preach. But every time I, almost every time I read the Bible, I realize that, you know, there's more to what the Bible says than just literally what it says. You, if you actually get the chance to study it and dig into it a little bit, it can help you, even though it was written a long, long time ago. It's still so relevant to today's world, and it's crazy how that works. So, we are going to be reading from Isaiah chapter 59. Amen. Thanks, Ron. Yeah. <laughs> Isaiah 59. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Alright, that worked. Alright. So, like I said, when I was reading through this, it 
it's difficult. It may hurt some feelings. It may step on some toes. But it'll 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 be worth it in the end. Um, it really opened my eyes to a few different things, and we'll get to it. Um, you know, I'm gonna enlist people to read. Who wants to start reading? Go ahead, Ron. You can read all the way up till four. Uh, actually, you can read all the way up to eight, including eight. Truly, the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you, so that you will not hear. <clears throat> For your hands are stained with blood, your fingers with guilt, your lips have spoken falsely. Excuse me, your lips have spoken falsely, and your tongue mutters wicked things. No one calls for justice. No one pleads a case with integrity. They rely on empty arguments. They utter lies. They conceive trouble and give birth to evil. They hatch the eggs of vipers and spin a spider's web. Whoever eats their eggs will die, and when one is broken, an adder is hatched. The cobwebs are useless for clothing. They cannot cover themselves with what they make. Their deeds are evil deeds and acts of violence are in their hands. Their feet rush into sin. They are swift to shed innocent blood. They pursue evil schemes. Acts of violence mark their ways. The way of peace they do not know. There is no justice in their paths. They have turned them into crooked roads. No one who walks along them will know peace. Okay, so right away you can see how in these first couple of verses that it explains that the problem is sin. So, we have separation from God. That separation came all the way back from the very beginning with Adam and Eve. When Eve decided to eat the fruit in the garden, that sin brought the separation between us and God. And that has been the problem ever since then. So... We are now separated from God because of sin, because of the evil things we do. We now cannot walk with God in his presence like we should be able to. Um, God wants us to be with him. He wants us to walk with him. He wants us to be there. But because we have sin, we can't walk with God. We have a separation. That separation is always going to be there. Um, also, we need to understand that... That separation from God spreads from person to person. And unfortunately, this is where it gets a little, like, will hurt your soul a little bit. Unfortunately, we are the reason that sin entered the world. It's, it's, not, it's not racism. It's not drugs. It's not the LGBTQ. It's none of that. It, we are the reason that sin came into the world. It is our sin that we now have that separation from God. You can't blame politics or anything like that. It's it's us. It's our own human fleshly desires that separate us from God. When I first read that, it hurt because I was like, okay, I know there are plenty of things in my life that I do that are not good things that I've been working on and working on and working on. I've gotten a lot better at it, but I know there's still things in my life that 
I shouldn't do, but it's so hard to not do them because it's what I'm used to. And this is the problem that we have as people, as flesh, where we are weak compared to our own wants and desires. There's a piece of dog. So, like I said, we have to understand that we are the problem. That's part of the sermon title. We are the problem. We are the reason that sin has entered the world. So, and later we'll figure out how we're supposed to fix this. Because it's up to us to fix it too. But first we have to realize, anyone know how you realize there's a problem first you have to realize or how do you fix a problem you have to realize what the problem is we are part of that problem our sin is part of the problem um <clears throat> anyone else want to read you want to try jace okay read nine to eleven From us and righteousness does not reach us. We hope for light, but there is darkness. For brightness, but we live in the night. We group along the wall of the blind. We group like those without eyes. We stumble at noon as though it were twilight. We are like the dead among those who are healthy. We all grow like bears and moan like doves. We hope for justice, but there is none. For salvation, but it is far from us. Right, I'm going to pick up from there. For our transgressions are multiplied before you, and our sins testify against us. For our, transgress our transgressions are with us, and we, now, we know <clears throat> our iniquities. Transgre transgressing and denying the Lord, and turning away from God, speaking oppression and revolt, Conceiving and uttering from the heart lying wor words, justice is turned back and righteousness stands far away. For truth has stumbled into the streets <clears throat> and uprighteousness cannot enter. Yes, truth is lacking and he who turns, away from, turns aside from evil makes himself a prey. Now the Lord saw... And it was displeasing in his sight that there was no justice. <clears throat> this goes back to the flashlight and lighting up a room. We have to understand that sin affects everyone. You may tell one lie, and that may not affect you personally, but it's going to affect other people in your life. If I tell, if I tell my kids a lie, they want to believe it because they think, you know, I'm should know, I should know what to do, I should know how to do things. And they'll believe that that's truth. This is part of the problem with the world we're living in now. There's so many lies that people are trying to force us to believe is truth when it's not true. Um, and we can see how that sin can spread and spread and get worse and get worse. <clears throat> Part of the problem, I think, is we took God out of too much stuff. We have excluded God in so many things now. One of the biggest things that I, I think should never have happened is we excluded God from schools. 
no, I've never heard anyone in my school, all throughout my high school, elementary, all of it, I've never heard anyone say that, you know, Jesus is real or any of that. I never heard any of that in schools. And you look back even just 100 years ago, and that was a teaching in pretty much all schools that God is real. And we have taken that away from people, and we've taken that away from young kids. And it's going to be the young ones that are going to have to rise up and be the ones to run our nation at some point because everyone dies. So we have to train the young ones how to do what's right. And how are we going to train to how are we going to train them to do what's right when we're not doing what's right? So if we are the ones that are doing the wrong things and we are the ones that are causing the sin, how are we even going to think that we are going to raise kids to do the right thing? Now I know personally, I know myself, I am not a perfect father. I know I have my mistakes. I have got plenty of flaws. And I know that, and my kids know that, and I've told them that many times that I am not perfect. I make a lot of mistakes, and they know this. So I tell them all the time, I I know I've told them that a lot, that don't try to do what I do all the time. You do what God tells you to do. And the only way that you're going to know that is by reading your Bible, by studying your Bible, and listening to what God says. So it is up to us to... Get this younger generation to understand that everyone makes mistakes, everyone is not perfect, but with God, we have that understanding that, like Ron said, we have that understanding and that peace that doesn't make sense to us. Like, you can be extremely calm in intense situations, or you can understand something that you shouldn't be able to understand, but you know what it is. <clears throat> So, one of the things that I heard recently, I think it was Jason that told me this, is in his school they're starting to teach that there are two, there, there are more than two genders, and it's wrong. But this is the stuff our schools are trying to teach these kids now. And they're trying to say that a boy can go into a girl's bathroom, and it's that's wrong. But our world is trying to get us to believe that these are real and this is truth now. And it is up to us to tell people, no, this is not right. We should not be out supporting the fact that people want to kill innocent babies. We should not be out trying to support the fact that a boy can somehow become a girl. This is not stuff we should be sitting down and just letting happen. I've seen churches accept gay marriage because... That's what society wants them to do. And this I'm, this isn't a sermon about none of that. I'm just using it as an example that there's evil in the world that there's so many people trying to force us to believe is truth. And it's not. If you want truth, you read the Bible, you get it from Jesus. That is truth. Does anyone want to read? All right. All right, and go ahead and read 16 to the end. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled there was no one to intervene. So his own arm achieved salvation for him, and his own righteousness sustained him. He put on righteousness as the breastplate and the helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. According to what they have done, so he will pay wrath to his enemies and retribution to his 
exposed. He will repay the islands their due. From the west, people will fear the name of the Lord. And from the rising of the sun, they will revere his glory. For he will come like a pent-up flood, that the breath of the Lord drives along. The Redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who repent of their sins, declares the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit who is on you will not depart from you, and my words that I have put in your mouth will always be on your lips, on the lips of your children, on the lips of their descendants, from this time on and forever, says the Lord. So does anyone know what that is telling us? Not a rhetorical question. Anyone? Exactly. It's one of the prophecies of the coming of Jesus. So it is telling us that there's a Savior that is going to save us from the sin. And that person was Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ did come. He died on the cross to save us from our sins so we can not, no longer have that separation from God. So that we can actually walk with God and the Holy Spirit and feel that presence that we never had. But it took Jesus Christ to do that. Because it says that God saw that there was no man, there was no one person that had the ability to save everyone. And this is a couple thousand years ago. And if you look at today's world, that is exactly how it is today. There is not one person on this earth today that can save every human being. There is no one that is going to be able to stand out and step out like Jesus did and live a sinless life even though there's so much evil around. There's not one person today. In Romans 3.23 it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For all. That, include, that, that doesn't exclude anyone. It's all. That's why it's written, for all have sinned. So there's three things. First off, we need to understand that we were part of the problem. That it is our sin that we brought into this world that separates us from God. You can't blame anything else. You can't blame nothing. It's sin. Every major problem that we have in this world all boils down to sin. So, ooh, excuse me. I'm mechanic. I've been working on cars for a long time. Some days I love it. Some days I hate it. But if I, I had a car once that I was working on a couple, a couple years ago. Yeah. And the car had a misfire. There's hundreds of things that can cause a car to have a misfire. But it's really... Three things that make an engine run. You need fuel, you need combustion, and you need an ignition source. So it was missing one of those three things, and I figured it out. There was low compression on a couple of the cylinders. So I was like, okay, well, it's going to need a motor. But it, the car only had, like, I think it was like 16,000 miles on it. So I was like, okay, there's got to be a reason that a 16,000-mile, one-year-old car needs an engine. So I have my bore camera, I stuck it down in there, and I could see that the cylinder walls were all scored, and this was causing low compression. So I was like, okay, well, obviously, it's definitely going to need a motor, so I recommend motor, get it all rode up. And then when I pulled the motor out, I happened to accidentally, this was completely accidental, I didn't even mean to, but I glanced down inside of the converter, and the converter bolts directly to the head of the car. 
and the way cars are designed nowadays, I can get into more detail, but I'm not going to for time's sake. But the way cars are designed today, the intake and exhaust valves are for a very brief period of time open at the same exact time to help with emissions and whatnot. So what I found is on this converter, the whole top of the converter was like this really flaky metal because the converter had started deteriorating. So it, what was happening is it was pulling metal into the motor and it was causing the metal to sit in the combustion chamber and scrape up the cylinder walls. So if I would have put another motor in it and left it like that, it would have went on its way and another year or so it would have been back for the same exact problem because I didn't find out what the root cause of the problem was. And if you look at today's world, this is a perfect example of it. The root problem of everything going on right now, the root cause is sin. That is the problem. We can't. We have to stop blaming all this other stuff. We have to start blaming the real thing, and that is sin. Too many times have I heard that, oh, well, you know, it's, it's the government's fault, or it's so-and-so's fault. No, it is not. It is Sin is the problem. So we have to fully understand this before we can even begin to try to fix it. <clears throat> And the second thing we need to understand is sin spreads like a disease. Sin is probably the worst spreading disease out there. It's worse than COVID. Because COVID may physically kill you, but sin will spiritually kill you. And to me, that's worse than physically dying. Because at least if I die and I know I'm saved and I know Jesus loves me, at least when I die, I know where I'm going in the end. I'm going to heaven. Right. So, but we have to understand that our sin does not just affect us. Our sin affects everything around us. That's I've heard Dan say this countless times and I, I love it because I can see it. That the earth is groaning that create all of creation groans for the coming of Jesus. All the stuff that happens is the earth groaning and creation groaning because of all the sin in the world. I mean, I would have loved to have been back in Adam and Eve's day where we could walk around freely and not do any work and just enjoy life like it's supposed to be. But unfortunately, because of sin, we can't do that no more. <clears throat> And the last thing is, we have a Redeemer. We have Jesus Christ now. Jesus said there was, I think, something like 300 prophets that Jesus fulfilled from the Old Testament, which is insane. So, in here, it says that Jesus is going to, that there is a Redeemer coming. Then you can have the argument, oh, well, this was a couple thousand years ago, whatever. Well, it also says, we're going to go to Hebrews. Didn't mark it. I should have marked it. My Bible has two bookmarks, and I didn't mark it. Uh, we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 9. We're going to go, we're going to, I'm going to read Hebrews chapter nine, verse 28. It says, so Christ also 
have being has having been offered once to bear the sins of many, he will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin. To those who eagerly await him. Notice how it says eagerly await. So we have place we have proof that there is going to be a second coming of Jesus. But we also have to understand that we have to wait for him. And then in um, Revelation chapter 22 verse 12 says, Behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is, all, is with me to redeem, to render every man according to what he has done. We have proof that Jesus is going to come again to redeem his world once and for all. To put an end to sin for the last time. But the scary part about this is when Jesus comes again, where are you going to stand? Are you going to be part of the problem or are you going to be part of the problem that's trying to help fix it? Because let's be real. As Christians, how many times do we still get it wrong? I mean, how many times have you tried something and still gotten it wrong and still failed to follow God to the fullest of your ability? Exactly. Too many times. But yet, God still loves us so much that he sent Jesus to die. And he loves us so much that he is going to send Jesus again to take us home. So we need to, <clears throat> what, I, what we need to do, what God is telling us to do, is to help fix that problem by shining the light in the world. The more light we shine, the brighter it gets. But we can't do it without Jesus. We can't do it without God. We want to be a part of the solution and fix the problems that we have caused with our sin. Then we have to have God do it through us. Because there's no way that we are going to be do, do this on our own strength. <clears throat> Okay, so what is, <clears throat> what happens when you leave a hot cup of water in a cold room? Exactly, it starts to get colder until you get, until it gets to room temperature. Okay, how do you heat that glass of water up again? Put it in a microwave, put it on the stove, get it to a warmer environment. Okay, so water, liquid, temperature, I guess you can say, is temperature always goes from hot to cold. The only way to get it hot again is you have to add a heat source. <coughs> Part of the reason why it's so cold in space. But I had to 
look that up too because I wanted to make sure I was right on that. Because I was when I when I thought about this, I was like, you know, is that really true? I've heard it before in school, so I started looking it up, and it's true. The, there's a lot of things I read that says the exact same thing that temperature always goes from hot to cold. No, it never goes from cold to hot. I can explain more, but I'm not going to. If you want to look it up on your own, fine. It's really cool. It's really interesting. I recommend you do because I, I learned something new from it. But the point behind it is for us as Christians, when you first got saved, what was it like? You were, I was, I was on fire, man. I was ready to do stuff. I was ready to be different. And then about two years later, it kind of leveled off. Because that's how we are. We need that source behind us to keep us on fire for God. We need that push. We need that fire. Because when I first got saved... I was I was ready. I was like, let's go. I want I want I want my life to be better. I want to be a better person. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better husband. And then about two years later, it kind of leveled off, and I just kind of went meh. And it still happens, and it's been over ten years now, and it still happens. There's days where I'm like, let's go. Let's I want to do this, and I'm on fire. And then it just kind of levels off. And part of that is because of the world we live in. We live in a room temperature world and our bodies are trying to adjust to what we have around us. Our flesh wants what it wants. <clears throat> so a little bit of a recap here. <clears throat> if you feel that God is trying to get you to do something, stop fighting against him. Let God work through you. Because we are all in this together, all of us. There's no one person that can do it by themselves. We are a team. We are a body that's how the Bible describes it. We are a body and we are to work together. We can't do this alone. We need everyone. But the other thing we have to understand is every one of us is part of the problem. And that every one of us can help fix this. We can help fix it. We may have caused a problem, but there's nothing like causing a problem, breaking something, and then being able to go, you know what? I can fix this. So us as Christians need to be out there fighting against what was bad. I mean, look at Jesus. Jesus hung with sinners all the time. Jesus hung with prostitutes. He hung with tax collectors. We need to be out in the world explaining to the lost people of this world that there is a better solution, and that is Jesus Christ. Our better solution is Jesus Christ. Our better solution is God. We need to let people understand this. Because then maybe, just maybe, one day we can finally see the world become at least a little bit better of a place.
to where there's not so much evil. But it's going to take all of us working together, not fighting against each other. We have our differences, but we can put those differences aside if it means standing for God and letting God reign. God created each individual person different for that reason. So we have different skills and different abilities to work together to grow his kingdom. Not to fight against each other because I like this color and you like that color. That is not what we're here to do. We are here to build the kingdom of God. We are here to step out and be that light. But we can't do it without Jesus. We can't do it without showing people that, yes, you are part of the problem. You are a sinner, but guess what? So am I. I am not perfect either. I have my issues. But you know what? How about we work together and fix this? Because like I said, because then just maybe, just maybe, we can see a world that is slightly better than what it is right now. At least we can at least try to get people to understand that with God, we can really make a change in this world. But here's part of the problem. How many people would like, like to admit that they're the ones that caused the problem? How many people will step out and go, you know what, I didn't do this. This isn't my fault. This is so-and-so's fault. It's so hard for us to admit that we are the ones that caused this problem. So nobody wants to change. Nobody wants to follow God because they don't want to admit that they're the reason that the world is failing. I didn't get saved until I was in my 20s because I refused to admit that I had problems. I was blamed it on my parents, that it was their fault that I was the way I was. But no, it was my choices that I made. It was the things that I did. And it's like that with every single person in this world. It is the choices that you make, it's the things that you did that caused it. So we have to be willing to admit that. And it's so hard to admit that you are the problem. But guess what? You are also part of the best solution ever. You are part of the greatest solution. The greatest thing that could ever happen is you finally admitting that you have a problem and that you have the ability to fix it. <clears throat> so I don't want anyone to sit here and think that I'm trying to make you feel bad or make you feel depressed because that's not what this is about. This is about you understanding where everyone lies. This is not singling anyone out. This is everyone. Everyone in this whole planet. What is it, like something like seven something billion people. And it's probably higher than that because there's tribes and stuff that most people don't even know exist. North Sentinel Island. Yes, I know. I was the one that showed you that. <laughs> But point being is I'm not I don't want to sit here and try to feel like I, I'm not trying to badmouth or anything like that. I'm just trying to get all of us to be on the same page here. Because us as a church, if we are not all on the same page, we are not going to do what God is calling us to do. I mean, part of the 
very basics of getting saved is admitting that you're a sinner. You have to admit that first. But then we become the greatest solution this world has. And that is preparing people for the coming of Christ. The second coming of Jesus. I mean, that's what John the Baptist did. John the Baptist was there to prepare people for the coming of Christ. All of us now, that is our job. All of us, as Christians, as churches, all of us now have that same job John the Baptist did, and that is to prepare the world for the second coming of Christ. Because eventually he's coming again. No one knows when. No one knows the exact date. I mean, there's so many stories out there. I was watching 2012 a couple nights ago, and Jason was watching it with me a little bit. Or was it you or was it Caleb? It might have been Caleb. Yeah. But he was asking me a bunch of questions about it, and I was – it was – but the point is no one knows exactly when Jesus is coming again, but we have proof in the Bible that he is coming again. So we need to be ready so when he does come – He is not going to say to us, get away, I never knew you. Instead, he's going to say, welcome my good and faithful servant. <clears throat> Which is one of the scariest things I've ever read in the Bible, by the way. The fact that Jesus could come again and you could look at him and, hey, look, I tried to follow you. And he's going to be like, no, you didn't. And get out of here. That is one of the scariest things I've ever read in the Bible. And I've read quite a bit so far. Never read the whole thing. Getting getting close. But the point is, that's really terrifying to think about. <clears throat> Alright, so, with all this being said, I want you guys to look into your lives and realize that Yes, we are all sinners. Yes, we are all failures. We are broken people. We are all broken people. We come from broken backgrounds, or maybe we come from a good background, but we still have issues. All of us are broken people, but we have the greatest solution, and that is Jesus Christ. Amen. He is the reason why we are all still here today, because let's be real. If God really wanted to, he could wipe the earth out again. He's done it once. He said he'll never do it by flood again, but that doesn't mean he won't wipe the earth out again. He has the power to do so. But God wants us to spread his word. He wants us to get people closer. <clears throat> so if you can look into your own life and look at what you've done and look at the things that you're doing, Use those for God's benefit. Don't use them to benefit you. Like In my job, I go to work to make money to supply for my family. And that is hard for me to stop thinking about it that way, but that's how I think. I go to work so I can make a paycheck, so I can pay my bills and make sure my kids eat. But that's not why I go to work. That shouldn't be the only reason I go to work. The reason I should go to work is because God gave me that job. So I should be glorifying him in that job. God gave me the ability to wake up and go to work. Because there's people that don't have that anymore. My mom will never be able to work again because of the surgery she's had. 
And my mom has worked all of her life. And she is going bonkers right now because she's so used to working. I should be grateful that I have a job. Not just, oh great, I got to go to work again, yay. No, I should be grateful. If you, were, if you were alive right now, you should be grateful. <clears throat> so we are supposed to use all of this, all of the stuff in our life as a benefit to God. And if you haven't done that, if you haven't used everything that you have to benefit God in some way, somehow, then you need to look into your life and realize that you are doing it wrong. Excuse me. Oh, this, I got a headache. Um, but as a way of closing, and we're going to have our invitation, I want you guys to see how one, one sin can affect the lives of many. And how your one sin affects more than just you. Even if no one else is around. Even if no one else is in the same room as you. It can still affect other people. Because it can change the way you feel. It can change the way you act. Like I know when, I, I know when I'm starting to get down. And I'm starting to realize that. You know I'm starting to get really angry very easily. And it's because I'm not doing what God wants me to do. So then I start yelling at my kids more. I start yelling at my wife. I start putting off things I should be doing because I realize I'm not doing what God wants me to do. And that's not where we should be. That's not how we should be living. So if that's you, you need to repent. And if you don't know, God, if you don't know the Lord, you should really pray and see what God can do. Because I'm telling you, Making the choice to follow God was the best decision I have ever made in my entire life. And I will not deny that one bit. I, I, I can't stress how important it is to understand that God wants us to have that relationship with him. He doesn't want us to be separated no more. He's never wanted us to be separated from him. So much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross so we can be close to him again. Thank mm -hmm. you.